0: Welcome to What's Your Beef, a Beef Australia production. Each week we will introduce you to people living and working in the beef community and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic triennial event. Hello, I'm Jane Cadahy and this is What's Your Beef. In this episode, you'll meet the delightful Bridget Price. She and her husband Owen own and operate an organic beef business in Queensland's Arcadia Valley. With Bridget's encouragement, they've spent decades investing in themselves as they see the people involved in their business as one of its greatest assets. Although, as you'll hear, sometimes that's been a little under duress. As a self-confessed city chick, it was up to Bridget to learn the bush lingo and find herself a role in the business. Not only did she achieve that, but she's been a driving force behind the family's market and business expansions and still manages to have fun while
1: she juggles it all. Yes, I was born in Bundaberg and then I grew up in Cairns, so I think I when I was about five, uh, and it was lovely. So that was back when you'd go to the islands for the weekend and I had a really great childhood growing up. We'd ride our bikes to school. Mum and Dad were really actively involved in the community, so very much like rural areas, she just got in and did it, so... I got sent away to boarding school for two years. I think my mum thought I could do more. Where's that? Where was the boarding school? Ah, uh, so that was Stewart Home in Brisbane. Yeah. So mum had gone. So both my parents. Mum had grown up um, out at Isisford on a sheep property, and my dad uh, Cairns, on a cane property. So, but by the time I came around and we'd moved back, uh, they were the, the farms were gone. So you
0: still had you didn't grow up. You know, you describe yourself as a city chick, but you really. Uh, you, you, there was a background of agriculture there. Oh, or
1: absolutely. I remember going out to visit my uh, grandparents when I was really young and I, the only thing I really remember is grasshoppers. There were grasshoppers everywhere. <laughs> and This is at Isisford. At Isisford, yeah. yeah. And my um, yeah, my grandfather, and it's interesting, when we moved to Blackall later on, This the Paddy B in Way was actually named after my grandfather. Oh. So his, he was, yeah, in local government. So he was the mayor out there and he later became the head of you know the mayors yeah so he was knighted for that later on for his services knighted yeah for wow. to local government so yeah. yeah so interestingly yeah it's it's funny how the cycle turned so i grew up just as yeah a city kid uh mm. at, near the beach and yeah ended up Ended back up back when? out
0: there, but we will will come to that full circle because you went and studied. Um, I keep wanting to say economics, but it isn't. It's commerce. You studied commerce, didn't you?
1: Yes, I studied commerce at university. So after school, I went on exchange to South Africa, came back and did yeah three years at school at university, and yeah that was a bachelor of commerce. But it was it majored in economics, organizational behavior, and industrial relations. So goodness, HR.
0: What were you hoping to do? What was the what was the plan?
1: Well, it was really interesting. I wanted to... My parents had had a business, had got bad advice, and so it was really important for me. The economics was to really understand money and understand what other people were doing with your money and really having that business understanding. Uh, People really interested me and how you... I suppose that's that curiosity Mm. and how do you get the best out of people from the organisational point of view. And, yeah, so and i guess what i was hoping to do was yeah to go into it's really just having a business base and i the degree i took i went to griffith because in the first year you got to do every subject so you
0: had oh, a good. go and
1: then you chose your majors so i knew i wanted to be in business didn't exactly know what and funny enough um, accounting was the one subject that i hated <laughs> that i ended up yeah later on as a finance manager so it's
0: always the way
1: yes yeah. that was that's the boy's fault so, yeah,
0: it was <laughs> <very> good. <laughs> now, you went back to South Africa, didn't you? You went travelling. What, what was it about South Africa that you, you really loved? What pulled you back?
1: I went back there to visit the people, um, yeah, and just a friend and I, her parents were in Wales and they were renovating a house. So, yeah, we stopped. We went back through South Africa to visit those families there and then, yeah, over to Wales and we worked in a little, Pithelli in a little village and later in Charing Cross in London. So it was really, that's what you did when you finished. You had that 12 months off before, yeah, you came back to university. So
0: Yeah, the, ga- the great gap year. I miss gap year. I think <laughs> I went straight to uni and then into work. <laughs> it really wasn't that exciting. Yeah, I um, miss
1: travel now, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, that opportunity, that exposure where you just learn people, doesn't matter where you are. They're all the same. So the issues that challenge them, um, yeah, family, people, conversations, yeah,
0: connection. Well, that was always that's always been very important to you. Then that curiosity and the people, and I guess we'll come back to that too, because I do want to talk about you know you've got this wonderful background and um, such a great educational grounding, but you you ended up marrying a, a grazier. So how did you go from being that you know worldly city girl uh, to um, being a, you know, a manager of an agricultural business. How did how did you meet Owen and, and yeah, carry funny. that I forth? I was in
1: New Zealand recently, and they were telling me how they love Farmer Wants a Wife, and I said I was on the first episode, and they were, were so excited. Ah. and we were chatting about it, yeah, and I was saying three kids later, it's fantastic, and then I went, no, that I was ten years into it, and yeah, I used to sit and watch that show and say. They don't fill a whole shearing shed with candles. That's like a burn. You know, so back then I'm like, that is not safe. That doesn't happen. So yeah. think about that. that yeah. No. So <laughs> that's it's a different. very good set designer. Oh, that's like McLeod's Daughters when yeah. we used to watch that. And I remembered one time, you know, my husband, he, you know, he would just tolerate it uh, back in the first. And there was one where there was an accident mm-hmm. and there were three cars and then one man pulled up on his horse And they're like, quick, go and get help. And, of course, he jumps on his horse and my husband's like, get in the car. Yeah, just getting. So yeah, we watched. I think he and
0: I must have watched the same yes. episode That's because I was banned. My flatmate in Brisbane banned me from um, being anywhere near the television when McLeod's daughters was on for the exact kind of same <laughs> constructive criticism.
1: White singlets, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. No, so <laughs> back then, yeah. So by the time it was actually a TV show, but it was back when it was lovely and it was about relationships. So mm. I had so after all my travel, I decided that I really wanted to see a bit of Australia when I came back. Mm. And you couldn't be a backpacker like you could in Europe. Mm. And, yeah, there was a job going at Primac Elders out at uh, Roma. And of all things, it was in livestock processing, which I didn't know anything about. So so that's a
0: big leap of faith. I will do
1: livestock processing now. Um, well,
0: particularly
1: for the poor old livestock agents that employed me. <laughs> so we had this one <laughs> character, a <laughs> fellow Mickey Connell, and I remember one day – because. It was a very open plan desk mm. and I was sitting there processing cattle and you have the owner's wrist section and usually it's an eye or a leg and one day this word was there, it said pizzle. And <laughs> I was like, what is this, guys? Can you write English in anyway, So I got marched into the manager's office and we sat down and he's saying, you know, there's certain things, you know, this is now getting ridiculous, what this girl knows and what <laughs> she doesn't. And then he was taking the complete mickey and then I was like, oh, It's a penis. Right. You know, you work it all out. But then there's a whole language I had to learn. So, yeah, driving down the road one day and my husband pulls up, as you do in the middle of the road, and he's talking to his mate Kenton. And I remember the conversation going, oh, they'd been working cattle. And he was like, oh, mate, that bull gave me a pizzling today. And you can imagine me going, what? Hang on yes yeah, so there was uh, yeah that's a bit literal you still like yeah, the yeah. literal thing yeah. yeah yeah I'm just going okay so yeah there were a lot of words i had to learn and a lot of conversations and just to yeah really pause and take your breath and learn not to react straight away to the conversations but yeah be a bit curious and yeah
0: hmm. so then you you met Owen and where did where, where did you go like when you when you got married where did you you went to Blackwell then
1: No so yeah well actually we were married for about a year and yeah so that was I wanted to see a bit of Queensland, Mm. so I went to Roma and a friend said I wanted to know where can we go for a drive. So she said someone suggested go out to the Acadie Valley Lookout from Roma, it's beautiful. Another friend there, Beck, went, oh, I've got friends. So she was mates with Kenton and the guys. Ah. And so that's how that, yeah, so she was a bit matchmaker, I guess. And so we went out there for the day and, yeah, three girls dropped out and, yeah, Kenton was like, oh, my gosh, girls are coming. Mm. so yeah i remember don't talk
0: about the pizzling, boys like no, no, keep it clean it. so
1: that's it so and he <laughs> rang his friends and owen was one of them going oh my god this girl's coming to my house you really need to come and you know <laughs> i remember too you know with the work shirts yeah yeah and he made the effort and he had the creases down so you'd obviously put a new work shirt on oh so the crisscrossed, the crisscross, very, the criss-cross yeah, creases you mean yeah, yeah. So, so the that, folded that's it the folds in it so yeah it was very different so very and a very different world so when Owen and I, want to know. and so from there they would come into town and we would, yeah, uh, but generally we'd be at the, you know, we'd knock off at five and then they'd come in and they'd you know, bring pigs into the pig box or something like that so they'd eventually get there. Mm. And, yeah, I remember, and so I think when we first met people, I had this same girl, who, Beck who was mm. matching us up and she was saying, you know, you really need to go and chat to this boy and, yeah, it was like stepping back in time. And I remember going over to him saying, look... I like you and you like me but right now I've drunk a lot more than you so <laughs> you catch up to me and then we'll be on the same conversation so yeah it started like that so I think yeah and do you give this
0: advice to your daughters now too just oh, drink as much drink more yeah. than the men girls and then get them to catch up <laughs> yeah
1: that's it just going but you know there's a completely different conversation and yes yeah, so I remember and I'm sure it's probably just as much curiosity from his point of view going who is this? person so so funny yeah so yeah it was a very yeah but it was lots of fun and lots of conversations but and I remember I couldn't talk to him till after 8 30 at night because before that is work time and then if he'd been working on machinery I'd have to say what about the manifold manifolds always fall off I don't even know to this day where a manifold (laughs) is but I could say that and then he'd go off on a tangent and we'd have a lovely chat so it's so funny so it was very old school that started with yeah a lot of conversations and a lot of communication and and it's the same when we got married. It was really about, well, how do you make how do you make marriages work out here? You know, what what works and what doesn't? And we did a lot of – well, I – you know, girls talk it out to work it out. Yeah. Whereas guys just, you know, go and do something practical. Yeah,
0: go and play with the manifold.
1: Yeah. And he just <laughs> eventually said, look, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. You just have to work out if you think you can handle this. And mm. Yeah. So that was interesting. So – and then because we'd done a lot of talking about getting married, when it came around to doing it, it was like, oh, okay, so – we were like – so we decided we'd skip all the fuss and we weren't technically engaged, so we went to the Cook Islands. Oh. So we went to the Cook Islands. Uh, ex- people came back expecting us to be engaged and we came back married. <laughs> so, yeah, we skipped all that stuff and so, yeah, we just yeah got on with yeah, – because we'd done a lot of talking about, you know, you, get, you have a wedding day but mm. then what does marriage mean? So, mm. um, yeah, so then we were married. Um, yeah, so after about 12 months then we – went out to Blackall and that was supposed to be for another 12 months and, yeah, I think about 10 years later.
0: I was going to say, what was Blackall like going back? And that was the full circle for your family too. That was your family stomping grounds really out there. So what was it like going going to Blackall? In in drought from memory too, wasn't it? Well,
1: when we got there, uh, it wasn't in drought, but we were there about 10 months. Yeah, and we that was the breeder block that we'd taken. So I think we had about 1,200 carving cows that, yes, ended up, that's when we destocked it fully after about that time, so we'd had shorter ones. That was a really good learning experience for me in terms of understanding the differences between drought. So I knew uh, in the valley where Owen had grown up, uh, you know you, there was poly rolls of polypipe because when it got dry you rolled them out and you accessed this water. Mm. Uh, but out there it didn't matter. you know we followed all the grazing things. So you took your grass to a certain point, then you locked up that paddock. But then the kangaroos came in and they completely decimated it. So, you know, there were so many external factors uh, and that's when I learnt these different types of drought. Mm. Um, So that was really, yeah, so that was really challenging from a whole range of, we were very lucky. So Owen's family, you know, he's generational. So we still had those other properties that were still generating income. So, but he would go back, and you know, he was spending a fair bit of time there. And then, when the decision was made, you know, to take those cattle on the stock route, mm. so he was there. I stayed back on the property with a handful, just with my dog, mm. and we, um, yeah, we looking at that. And then, so we moved up around the Isiswood area, and then we moved the cattle down, uh, trucked them to Springshaw. Mm.
0: Um, that is a big learning curve, though, as you as you say, like there's different types of droughts, but then it's also. Separation um, when your husband's working away and family members, like, tensions are high too, I guess, when you've got drought and cattle movements and...
1: Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, when you're really out of your comfort zone. So I remember... and So the property was predominantly originally for sheep. So uh, even the water, like, until they... I remember one night, it's like midnight, and there was no water at the house. So I had to get in the car and drive all the way up and clean the bugs out of the, um, you know... These slimy things that would get, get in the top because the water for the flow was set up for the shorter one until we could change them over, and I had my dog Jess, a border collie, and she wouldn't even get out of the car. I'm like, "Well, you're so brave," but I would have my washing <laughs> up gloves and to do it. So yeah, there's the stuff that you just do. Um, but yeah, absolutely, it it tries people, and that's what I find interesting. Everyone talks about resilient, mm. you know, resilient landscapes and resilient, but in the bush, it's about resilience because resilient you know, you bounce back and, you know, that's bouncing back to that original point after a challenge. But mm. we don't. Everything evolves and changes. But resilience is about your mindset and your attitude. And mm. you've really got to admire, you know, what makes people dig deep mm. and what keeps them going when they have that Groundhog Day. And, yeah, when the focus is on animal welfare, those cattle still, they rely on you and they need you. And you can see the impact on people with that and I know my husband because this was you know his opportunity he went he saw the block um yeah so he definitely felt the weight of that you know previous generations and yeah yeah so it was really tough on him and yeah it's very tough you know relationships get strained and you know conversations and I remember the first time we I got put on a put on a horse and, like, apparently my father-in-law was sitting just watching us. He's like, oh, tits on a bull, this one, because you can imagine me <laughs> walking along. And that was just really for a gentle, you know, muster yeah. uh, back in the home blocks. But And the first day I went on a motorbike was the first day driving. And it was oh like, okay, gosh. just hold on and, yeah. and go. So, yeah, there's definitely had to be a lot of self-talk where, you know, I got to the point and I'd have, I'm a confident, confident cattlewoman because – When you grow up and you know it, it is like my children; they live it, love it, breathe it. Mm. They just get in and they don't have fear. I came into it too old. It's like,
0: but you obviously made it work. Like you know, you talk about getting in and making things happen, and you know, going on with it and making it work. But what really has pulled you up and and made you sort of reassess how you approach some of these challenges?
1: I I think a lot of it is you have to know yourself, and you have to know. What gives you reason to pause and why you do it? And I think for me now everything comes back to what's my definition of success? So at this point in time, are we talking a short-term goal or a long-term goal? Do I just need to work out how to get these in? Um, So we... We had scraggler sheep and Owen was away when the kids were older. And I remember one time we had to get them into the – couldn't get them to the sheep yards because they didn't want to communicate. We put them in the – uh, sheep. They never Yeah, we put them in the cattle yards. <laughs> and my neighbours would have been laughing because they had fly on them and Owen's like, oh, you just got to you know got to get fly. So the kids, we had the kids, you know, they're only little <laughs> and I had my washing up gloves again. And, yeah, we, we had to treat them and that. So, yeah, there's just stuff that you do – you just think, okay, what do we have to do at this point in time – And that's evolved definitely. So now with children and now with everything, it's what's our definition of success? So one is really coming back to, for me, longer term, I want Christmas to be a celebration, not an obligation. Mm. And, you know, for my husband's credit, you know, the generation, he has two sisters. So for him, when we had the opportunity was to, you know, sort through succession to give his sisters the opportunity to go, okay... Mm. We're not on the land, but, yeah, what's our opportunity that we can do? So sorting that out and and getting that ownership but really working in understanding that we are just the cog in the wheel. Mm. So what foundations and what do we have to put in place? So a lot of it is how do we role model? What do we need to know for our kids? What will be our definition of success at this point in time, at that point in time? So any of the challenges that we have, that Blackall property when we bought it was also when all the political, Mm. there's a word for it but we'll keep it clean, that was happening when, yeah, and so that became political and the the vegetation management laws came in the first round. So we had bought a property with advice, we got there and essentially we had all of these experts on our property saying you can't do anything. Um, So, yeah, so a lot of that with the challenges. So for me then... That's when I could find my niche. So you know, read the legislation, understand it. My background in, because I worked with Queensland Health, so I knew the government speak. I knew that stuff. So that's where we go well. So Owen is the operational person. Mm-hmm. Overarching strategy, we talk together. But to get to get us across the line, um, I you know I have that skill set. So that's I suppose finding your niche or finding where you contribute yeah. well, that's, that's what
0: was my next question. At what point did it go? Did you, were you making it work? When did it switch from making it work because of your love for Owen and wanting to have that really amazing relationship to actually this is a great business and I want to make it better and finding that place for you to, to really push your business forward?
1: I guess when we were married – yeah, only twelve months and we went out there and it was just the two of us. So I think there's about sixty six, you know, thousand acres and it was we went out there with the truck and the motorbike and the poor neighbours one time saw us there and we were like, he was dinking me on the back of the motorbike down the road. You could just see their faces going, Oh my gosh, what have we got here? So yeah,
0: that was <laughs> pull back, up a chair, fellas. Yeah. This is gonna get interesting.
1: Yeah, that was it. So that's <laughs> just when we had to, yeah, make it work. So uh I think one, yeah, it's that commitment, communication commitment. So once yeah once I had committed, yeah you, you do make it work, but yeah, and a lot of patience on his mm. side. I said, you'll be able to work with anyone once mm. you because you know I I need it explained to me. He was like, give it to me, I'll work it out. Mm. I'm like, nope, step by step and repeat, repeat and repeat.
0: I think what I find really impressive about the both of you is this' um, is a big commitment to, to personal and professional development. Uh, certainly in the last few years I so now you know we've skipped a few steps but you're um, based in the Arcadia Valley with a number of properties and another one at Rockhampton and it's a big organic beef business. Uh, so tell me about that like you you really have invested in yourselves over the last decade or so um, and why was that important to you?
1: I think that came about essentially well the black Oil property was the first one and looking we went into. Um, you know, again what's our definition of success mm. how can we be profitable how can we make sure we have secure markets and organics happened out at black Oil first the other blocks were fine standard conventional uh, and it was really interesting so there because we looked at our imports it was like well We're really not doing a lot of things differently and that's my job then, Mm -hmm. compliance and all that my husband... So this analysis
0: though, is that that you motivating that analysis of the business and setting those goals and then making, putting the you know, making the other structures around it, is that you?
1: I think it's more those conversations. So I'm, you know, Owen likes, he'll have an idea but, you know, he needs to go away and think about it. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, okay, well what about this? And so I have a very busy brain so I can fire lots of, of things off but... Yeah, it was coming back to well, yeah, where's the money? And so then when we came back to the valley blocks, um, yeah, that happened. But that was because in the drought, I remember when we we had when we had to reduce the stock. We Owen had fantastic steers in a feedlot went in for seventy days, couldn't market them eighty days. But at the same time, we had really old cows that were organic that we could find a market for straight away. Mm. So it came down to what's really important it's about um access market access and it's about yeah those established relationships and where we can and get in so yeah a lot of it came down to and i suppose that is the difference for me um you wear so many different hats but your business hat to me is incredibly important we are essentially no different to any other small business And so – and that's the same, that narrative. People will say, you don't understand, you're not a farmer. Well, it's like, well, you can. You can understand. Put your business hat on. Mm. What do we need to know? What are the foundations? How do – we need to be transparent. We need to record data because in any other business we would expect the same. Mm. So I guess it's pushing those um, and looking at – yeah, so a lot of that comes – yeah, it's starting those conversations and getting out and yes and so for us with those opportunities it has been you know exposure to education doesn't stop so if we go and meet other people and we have those conversations where can a conversation lead us to I guess so So um, you're building
0: markets and networks as well in, in
1: yeah I think so and it's really just that access and so it was that really important transition for us because when we first came in you know government employees you know we had this policing, um, and it was a shame. Like the department's roles changed, but then now we've had the opportunity. They got to a position where people didn't want to speak to people in the government departments because they were scared. What would they do with their data? Would they use it against them? Mm-hmm. We've been able to establish fantastic relationships with, particularly the guys you know in Rocky Daff and those areas, um, people in the breeding areas because. They just wanted properties to get onto. Now, these are people who have stuck in the industry for so long. They would desperately love to have their own properties and that, Mm. but their contribution to agriculture is just as important because of their knowledge and they have access. So for us, that's actually been fantastic. So when we did buy the Rocky Block, you know, looking at what is the nutrition, completely different grass, and we have these experts. when we had to deal with, you know, dieback, you know, Stuart Buck and all of these people you could just ring and have a conversation with and they're genuine connections genuine relationships and that's at free information that anyone can access Mm. so I guess for us it was about how do we get that utilize it and then make our business open so you know talking about it having field days um, do you think as an industry
0: we are getting better at you know because property and land and cattle are w- so much more valuable now than, than ever before and we have to make the most of those assets. Are people getting better at asking for help and, um, and for some new ideas and, you know, breaking down the, the romanticism of a rural life and it isn't just about, you know, lifestyle and long days and big hats and that sort of thing anymore, that it is a really multi-skilled business that we have to operate?
1: I think at the grassroots level, which is what I love to operate in, it always has been and it's the same. We talk about women in agriculture and I've had the opportunity, um, you know, to do programs to advance women at the high levels. But at that business level core, women have been essential. They have been the ones having the conversations. I think as an industry, though, you're right, we are getting better at um, talking more openly because we understand we need to share our story. We don't need to do storytelling because <laughs> anyone can make up a story. But it's about okay, from an advocacy point of view, from social media, there's a lot of people whose own vested interests uh, have a lot more access to resources, tools, marketing. So it's. But I think too, you always spoke to your neighbour across the road, and you always said, "Oh, how are you going? What are you doing with this?" I actually think that's been happening but what we are getting better at is actually going, well, how are we looking after the people as well? Mm. Um, So the cattle, the crops and all of that but also it's it's what you know as well. So my husband, you know, he says he farms and he approaches management very differently because it's that education and awareness. So Mm. I think it's just more as... Yeah, as we have those conversations and people becoming confident. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy because people start to label and get fads like regenerative or this or that when you just look at what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I think it's more there are other people that have come into our industry who, you know, consultants or people who are able to make money out of that whereas, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time but now I think we might. We can use those opportunities and also looking at what the corporates do uh, and take those lessons from those guys. So the other day I was at a function and the corporates, was, there was representatives there talking about, you know, we're just the same, you know, why do you know, people look differently? But then we talked about the major issues. So biosecurity is a massive thing for our business mm. and talking about, you know, what would happen if FMT came. And that's when you look at the risk profiling. For us as a small business, that is just a crucial component Whereas the comment came back, well, they're not that concerned because for them there's an opportunity. Mm. Whereas for a small guy going, an opportunity for a big guy is to, you know, utilise the, the risk or the impact that the smaller guys had to face. So, mm. um, yeah, so I think those conversations and we get better at, yeah. Um, and also looking at, you know, there's the Australian Farm Institute. You know, we're getting a lot better at saying, well, what do we have to do and what evidence do we have to provide and how do we have to show... Um, it's that translation of information, I guess. We know all this stuff, but we sometimes don't know the language to use mm. to be able to communicate. And oh, that's exactly right,
0: especially with that scientist scientific community as well that have so much to offer. You know, like you mentioned the DAF, and you know that, that's Queensland, Queensland Department of Agriculture. But you know, it's the same in every state and territory. There's an amazing resources there that's accessible to everyone that may not break through because of the language that they're using. Which is disappointing. I want to talk a little bit more about the connection side of things though because you did start your – it's more than a website but um, uh, now the name has completely just gone. Rural Resources. Thank you. (laughs) You started uh, Rural Resources. What what really um, initiated that?
1: Uh, That was a conversation. So – uh, back when we had grazing... You have a
0: lot of conversations, don't you? <laughs> They're just a little chit-chatter, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
1: it was a conversation at a grazing um, best management practice, grazing BMP yep. workshop. Uh, so we had children who went to school in town. So um, I had to travel 76K in. So there was that opportunity...
0: 76K in each way... Yeah, yeah. So you just committed. My goodness. Um,
1: We were able to – we fortunately, the first time – we we did it a couple of times and the first time we were able to rent a cottage, the next time um, there was really – the gas had moved in and so we actually had to buy a house but that was fine but that gave me time in town and I have a husband who's allergic to these meetings for him productivity (laughs) happens in the paddock but so I so that's my job I used to go to the meetings and take in the information and say right what can we utilize in our business and at one of these I looked around the room and there were amazing resources but you know there were a lot more um, people there to give information then people to receive information and it wasn't because they didn't want to be there and I just said you know why can't you put this all together for people in a website or a function and all these departments you should be talking to each other and yeah the conversation came back and said look that's just too hard you don't understand we tried and so I kind of thought well I'll just put something together I've got a bit <laughs> of time so I really had no idea of the rabbit hole that I went down t- to learn about um, you yeah, know what it actually looks like and what websites and all of that stuff but yeah it was really just thinking even though we're isolated we don't have to be alone and the old bush telegraph and that you know sharing information and stories and so yeah so it kind of evolved from there and really and the opportunities later on came from that willingness to try to have conversations and that's where I learned that it doesn't matter what tier that you're in all these people with a genuine commitment to agriculture have that You know, they may not have the right communication tools or all the rest, but they're all just looking at ways to have those conversations and to contribute. So it has given me that opportunity to say, well, from a grassroots producer's perspective, and I'm quite fortunate in that um, it did involve a lot of like 2 o'clock in the morning and rabbit (laughs) holes and all of that, but now what it is, it gives me the opportunity to say from a grassroots producer's perspective when um, people are asking us so
0: and it's also highly entertaining like you're a very good writer it's very engaging <laughs> what, what was it what was the um feedback from it like what what kind of engagement have you got from it what's been the reaction
1: yeah it's really quite interesting the different conversations and I love it in that I can have those quiet conversations down the back of the room with people uh, and people say, how do you do this and why do you do that? And I love that, particularly the old wise fellows that don't really say much. But then at the other level, uh, yeah, so I, I got to be – I went to an uh, Australian Farm Institute um, roundtable one time, and my feedback was, you know, you don't have producers in the room. You've got all these experts. And so the next year they had, a produ- they had their sessions, and it was on looking about climate change. And so we got – and then I got to be one of the producers that spoke about it and said, look, we do find this important but it's the language. Ask us how our seasons are changing. We'll tell you how our seasons are changing. Don't say to us, you know, what are you doing about the problem? Acknowledge, you know, we're definitely part of the solution and we'll engage and tell you what we're doing and we'll tell you our commitment. And we can have those conversations about soil and what we know but if you push against us, you know, we will push back. Mm. So – Half of it has been that access.
0: Don't acknowledge the, the the knowledge that producers have. I think that's part of it as well. You know, it, it, there's a bit of tell, don't yeah, ask, which is exactly what you just said.
1: There is so much cumulative wisdom in the bush, and that's it. And different people will come in, and yeah, it's that importance of listening to understand, and then being able to, uh, yeah translate almost so it's that connecting so the people at one level would like to talk to this so it's how do we change and and how do we connect and how do we have those conversations mm. and yeah to put people in the room or to give people those opportunities so mm. yeah
0: you also talk there was one of the bits that I read was it was about connection with neighbours too and how important neighbours are and I, I really that really struck home with me because I think you know when we're living really the neighbours are the family that are not next you know that are not next door there.
1: Oh, absolutely. They can be.
0: Obviously, yeah. there's exceptions to every rule. That's but uh, right. thankfully, my, my experience as neighbours has always been fantastic. Yeah, so. well,
1: good neighbours make great friends. And the difference too. So, yeah, it's that empathetic understanding. Sometimes you just need a sounding board. But it's also, it's about community. And, you know, when we have bushfires, I was chatting to my husband about this and he said, you know, you know the good ones who know, you know, if it's our scrub country, they come with a swag. So over Christmas one year, that's what we, you know, we had an amazing neighbour who just came in a camp with my husband and all the other neighbours and they dropped everything. New Year's was dropped that year so that, you know, they could help us. So, um, so when times are good, when times are challenging, um, but, yeah, it is definitely that connection and it's that empathetic. It's someone who understands. You can't solve someone's problems. Uh, but, yeah, you can go over and everybody has their story um, and there are stories that, you know, are for people to tell themselves. But, yeah, that, that's the bit that I found really important. It's the relationships. And you can drive – and it's even – it's not just on the properties. I spend a lot of time in Injun, mm. and, I mean, it's a small town. You might drive through and think, oh, do they even have internet here? But what they have is a community, and it's an amazing community when something happens and when we celebrate all that – you know, COVID was a fantastic example. One community was able to achieve with that, so –
0: what, do you, what um, do you mean? What was the example?
1: Oh, well, so when so uh, with my background with Queensland Health, so I'm on the community advisory network with that, generally because we have a frequent flyer pass. Fortunately, my family have stopped having hospital admissions like we used to. <laughs> oh, but, gosh. Um, What a reason why. I know. <laughs> so, But that, that again, gives you those... So with rural resources, you know, Owen broke his neck, Rob shattered his spleen. We've had massive, you know, my father-in-law was unfortunately killed in an accident all you know just um yeah nothing intentionally done wrong it's just this stuff so it's about that gives you that outlet to have those conversations and that's what rural resources is about those um also sharing the resources if we do it in our business are there things that we can share but also yeah the narratives and the conversations and those community uh yeah what happens um, yeah and it's the wisdom too and what I love is so even neighbour down the road I think this is their 63rd year of marriage so you know you can have that quiet conversation where you know things are just frustrating you and they can just drop those little pearls and you know <laughs> and they're willing to be vulnerable too and go you know because when when functions are on everybody's best on show but you can yeah there's people always someone they're willing to help you and sometimes in the most unexpected way.
0: So when, you, when you're talking about building communities and this could be, you know, in terms of, of rural resources, um, which is your business, but um, also just with, you know, the neighbours that you're putting maintaining flood fences with and that sort of thing. How do you build that community and that trust to be able to have the conversations?
1: I think it's about time. So I said before I was in New Zealand recently and I loved this quote that it said, take time out of the schedule. So, yeah, that, we're so busy and we're so rushed, but that's what I love. I remember, so we have a rec hall um, in the Acadia Valley where the functions, and it waxes and wanes different times it, um, depending on the need and what, where people are up to. But I remember when I first went there, I learnt that, you know, the husband's going, righty but it's time to go we're at the end of this function. And you have all these Toyota traybacks lined down beside the tennis court. And the minute you see the lean happen, you give yourself a good extra 20 minutes. So Go and pour
0: yourself another drink. We're yeah, going to yeah, be here Because, like, yeah. you know, you're madly rushing
1: around getting kids and you're going, hang on, now the men are actually starting to have those chats. And I think that's the difference. You can ring someone on the phone and say, how are you going? Yeah, yeah it's all good. But to look someone in the eye and say, yeah, how are you really going? And it's that um, my friend in town, she manages the bowls club and that's, I call that the men's mental health club there. So it's understanding yeah those conversations but it's time and you have to yeah it's that no like trust in any situation it's about spending time and having it's a genuine commitment and what I love about rural communities is you know we have characters and they're genuine characters anyone else should go oh who are they and you go oh, they're a character <laughs> so everybody's just a character and you're so accepting um yes yeah, all the quirkiness and everything else because you really look at everybody's values you know and that's And I think that's where ag can connect a lot better too, like connect at that values level. So this is why we feed our family and this is what we do for our family and that's how we can connect. But it's that values alignment. So you can run your business differently. You might not agree on, you know, this type of bull or that type of production method, but at at the end of the day where it's about families and it's about generations and it's about foundations and it's about community and it's about caring and showing value and letting people know, uh, yeah, if they need you, you're there. You don't see them all the time but, yeah, I love it.
0: So what do you say to your children? You've got three children, all of whom you say, you know, are are vested in the business and are very passionate about rural lifestyle. You know, they're finishing school, um, you know, as an average. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What are you saying to them? Are they... You know, are they as excited about a future in, in agriculture or are they going to go and do something different?
1: No, absolutely. So we've been really open with our children and, it, you know, to my husband's credit, he's the, he's the generation where, you know, we're having these conversations and saying, okay, if you want to be part of the business, it, these are the ups and downs, these are this. We're looking to moving to, you know, meetings that are more formalised. This is how we run the business. and so so as you tutors. including them
0: in decisions, like that's, Yeah, yeah. And, so, you know, and we're actually, budgets.
1: yep, all of that stuff. And so so our son, he's a pretty busy boy. So he did two two terms of grade eight at boarding school and it was just easier to bring him home and keep him busy. So he, yeah, he basically put himself, I think I had the tag of home tutor, but it was his commitment. So, yeah, he essentially um, put himself through all the way.
0: High school. So he finished high school but sort of home, home schooling. Yeah, he
1: did that through distance ed. So yeah. grade 10 he did a school-based traineeship at home. Mm. And then 11 and 12 he did English and maths. And he thought, he, you know, grade 10 was enough. But we compromised and he did English and maths and he did a dual diploma in agriculture and agribusiness wow. management. While he was uh, – but that was to his credit – um, his teachers like it was you know hats off to the teachers because we did get phone calls that saying you know we're worried he's operating heavy machinery when he's doing his English lesson because mm. he'd be on the grader and you know the beeping as he reversed up and I please mate but yeah he he's a bright kid so and that's what agriculture needs it needs those bright kids we don't um, have the educational facilities for the kids that don't want to sit in the university and don't want to do that stuff but yeah so he's um, been 12 months out now and he's integral in our business but he had been integral the whole way through so he and my husband yeah right is that hand. like hard to
0: negotiate when you know you you both but you have a real uh, value of education and and like ha- have had quite a formal education but could see that it didn't quite meet what he needed out of life like that that must have been a pretty big
1: I think it's that
0: stretching that limits there yeah that's <laughs>
1: that life thing so Rob was our son who yeah, came off the bike, um, shattered his spleen, spent two nights in the ICU. So, uh, you know, had an emergency splenectomy, you know, a third of his blood when they opened him How up. old was
0: he? I think he
1: was about 12. Oh, God, so a tiny. A third of his blood was sloshing around in in his stomach. And so, you know, you have those things you think, you know, you really when they get to... Boarding school, and he was quite miserable. He was quite a busy kid, and he was miserable there. So,
0: there was he, Rocky?
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. he was up there. So, and different schools suit different kids. Um, that didn't, you know, didn't suit him. So, um, yeah, that was back. You know, a lot of schools now for some kids they want to keep them medicated and they want to do that was suggested, and so we were like, no, bring him home and keep him busy and let his busy brain go. And so, so to manage Rob, that's what we do. We keep him busy, but also. You know, he's an amazing asset in our business now, so we give him projects. So, you know, he's our data, he's our tech guy, he's looking at, you know, he's our liaison with all our neighbours at the new property and it's that energy and that enthusiasm, so we just wanted to harness that that way. Our daughter, Maddie, she's just finished grade 12 and while she was at school, there's a program called Sun Start Uni Now. So she did two um, ag subjects there you pass one and it's your pathway in so she'll be working based up at that block and she'll be doing her bachelor of ag up there
0: so remotely no no so yeah it's only 40k out so it's fantastic but a lot of them
1: uni's not like when i went to uni Mm. um yeah so a lot of it now is online so and she'll be able to move between properties as well so that's fantastic we've got two on board now um we just did branding the other day and my husband's getting better he was down in the back and letting them both work it up. Stop up it. That's a big thing. It is for him. I'm yes. um,
0: almost a generation older than your kids and my dad still doesn't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, look. He wore himself out because he was wasn't just trying to do one job. He was like trying to still prove he was over lots of jobs. Um, but yeah, no. So, but that's a you know, that's a big thing too. It's like how do you give your kids enough rope and how do you give them uh, because it's that exposure still, so well, and enough right. But you
0: you want to validate like it's still your business, and you have a big passion and energy still as well as as adults. So it it is a, it's a tough thing. Oh, to absolutely.
1: Do. But bringing them in too. So like we have other you know rural resources is just my passion project. So it doesn't make money. It's just my communication or my contribution. Mm. Don't think I'd be so good on some committee. So it's that. But it's taken a step back. We have other issues. So we have you know when. We have coal seam gas negotiations that um, consume a lot of our time. But now, you know, Rob, we've brought him into those and that's just to be able to say, well, from a business perspective, these are the things we deal with and, you know, having that perspective and letting them step up. And from a risk, you know, if something happened to Owen and I, he needs to be abreast of that. Mm. So, yeah, so a lot of it is how do we, yeah, give them enough exposure at that point in time to what our business, it's not just about what's happening down the paddock you know there's a whole range of stuff
0: are your friends bringing their kids in the same way that you are into businesses
1: a lot of our friends are just a bit younger so for us with our children we're you know this is all new you know for us we look at succession as transition and so you know we're starting succession now so that we can transition and have those conversations particularly um and yeah so it and we still and we have a 12 year old daughter as well so Mm. everything is um yeah it's really just evolving and it's we're trying to keep those communication channels so we're saying to them it's probably more that if there are things your mates are doing or their families or that that you know you think works really well and do they do that well and let's do it we're just learning and we're doing our best and you know for us it's in 50 years' time when our children are taking over the business or have their own business or divest off it or if they want to be it or if they don't, but, yeah, we have to have that longer term because that's what we've been given, you know. Mm. We are part of this. So, um, yeah, it's really... A, and I there's a really scary statistic that they were saying in, in Australia there's about 50,000 farming families and they think within a generation they'll be down to 15. So it's this hollowing out of the middle. Um, for a whole range of reasons so for us it's about well how do we maintain how do we ensure the next generations get to be what do we have to um, give up or what do we have to what foundations do we have to put in now and that's just as much business education conversations with the kids but also making sure those relationships between the siblings because there's no point in building this empire if it's going to implode for whatever reason so uh yeah we're bits of it we're winging but yeah just really and and if we see things and other friends if they do but yeah you definitely you see families Mm. and we observe and we take lessons from that and saying you know that seems to work it's interesting
0: you say the relationship between siblings because i think that's the silver bullet really with a lot of families in general but you see it amplified in rural families it's an amazing thing that you're doing basically I don't know, really know. Where, where I was going to ask you <laughs> off the back of that. I just can really appreciate that because I think you 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 start out with the best of intentions always. I think every parent starts out with the best of intentions. On that, it just doesn't always pan out that way. But um, so yeah, I no, really,
1: it, and it's not easy. And people, and we're individuals. And when personalities, and for us, it's the core. How do we make sure that they feel validated and that their contribution matters? And regardless of what their con Tribution is Mm. and then I
0: think then when when they get married and then partners come in and then and then the different personalities that's that's when it gets really interesting
1: oh and that's why we have to put that groundwork in now and be as transparent and say yeah and you know and for us too so now it's those conversations with Mm. other I suppose not just at that but in terms of asset protection Mm. so how do you separate your family from your family business Mm. And then make sure that, but at the same time, as you said, like assets have really increased. So how do we protect those assets? How do we let love be love? And But how do we understand that, you know, it isn't just ours. It's, it's how do we manage it and take that responsibility? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so we're definitely, yeah, we've spent, yeah... Quite a bit of time and effort, and conversations, and engaging experts too—people that are actually
0: yeah. You strike me as that you're gonna you're gonna outsource some of that, which is which is a fantastic in itself. Really, it's very hard sometimes to to ask to get that uh, external help. Um, I am conscious of the time. I'm just looking at the time. I do want to ask you. You know, you have come in to this rural business from a non-rural background. You're so involved in every part of the business and have these three very passionate and engaged children. What's your favourite part? Of the business that you and Owen have built,
1: I think their favorite part is the the sense of achievement, and that is um, looking at the children, and that and the fact that they yeah live it, love it, breathe it, and at different stages. And the other day, um, our youngest is choosing subjects for next year, and I said, just pick the ones that you love, and this, and so she's a very organized child, and you know it's quite focused. But had never really picked her with AG and I said, Well what do you think you might like to do? And she said, You know, maybe I'd like to work on the property, you know, like Rob and Maddie. And so that's when yeah, so that bit's lovely that they love it. And they yeah, so it's I suppose for me it's that people and connection and yeah, that yeah, you've got confident, happy kids, I guess. Mm. With a you know, a great friend circle and yeah, and that I suppose after twenty years of marriage, twenty-two now yeah you still like yeah still like and love the person with you with so that's a bit for me after <laughs> all of this that yeah that's a bit that um yeah gives me yeah i suppose it'd be a smile
0: yes awesome and i just realized that there's one question that i ask everybody on the beef podcast um what is your favorite cut of beet and you've got a family you've got a beautiful organic you know cattle do you kill your own meat
1: we have at times, but since buying additional properties, we're a bit busy. and um yeah, so look, I my favorite cut because I'm a mum is you know we have an IGA in town and they have these twelve ninety nine. Grass budget um, rumps in there, and I love it because a bitch, a butcher put me onto it, and he said, you know, cut it up and have your fry pan ready, and you know, cut the end bit, and if it tastes all right, then you can cut it all up for steak. But if not, you've got stew, you've got stroganoff, you've got stir fry. So, <laughs> as a mum with that, so we're just heading up to our other block, so I can go in, and you know, Owen's so busy, I can go in and pick the rump, and then we cut it up, and we just have our little cryvacker, and we can move that around and. Makes life really easy. So um, that's my practical one. If yes. I was going to choose a, a gourmet one, it wouldn't be that. But, yeah. Well, what would be the
0: gourmet one? Like if you were having a date night, which I'm imagining wouldn't happen that much. <laughs> but if you were to shout yourself something special to have at home with Owen, what would you
1: have? Oh, I just like the rib fillet too. So, you know, yeah. those things that are pretty standard. You go in and you're pretty safe. So. Yeah. yeah, but... It's all good, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it is. It is, in fact. Thank you so much, Bridget Price. It's been an absolute delight speaking to you today. Um, All the best in all of your various ventures, but of course uh, uh, with your children, I guess, more than anything else.
1: (laughs) Family first, yeah. Oh, that's it. Teenage years ahead, so wish me luck. (laughs)
0: Oh, I do. I will. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. If you want to find out a little bit more about the prices business, as I don't think we gave it entirely the airtime it deserves, have a look at some of Bridget's hilarious and engaging blog posts at ruralresources.com.au. In the next episode of What's Your Beef? we'll hear from David Foote, the inaugural chair of the freshly minted, grass-fed beef body, Cattle Australia. Talk to you soon. I'm Jane Cudahy. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.